Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fighting the Void. Uh, I am Ginger, and I am here again. As you see, I am without my uh, wonderful co-host, uh, Crystal. She is off taking care of some things, but rest assured, she will be back most likely on the next show. Also, return, but returning today, classing the join up, much better than I could do all by myself, is Paige Rogers. And, <laughs> and Paige is, uh, if you remember, she's a repeat guest. I think this is, Paige, I think this is your third time on the show? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, wait. I think we've had you. Is it just three or is it four times now? Yeah, I think it's I think it's your fourth time on the show. Now that I think about it, maybe so. Because we had you, we had you on to talk about Israel. Then we had you on to talk about uh, your coverage on the MLK thing on uh, Pest McCart uh, MacArthur. Yeah, MacArthur. And mm -hmm. then we had you on talking about, or may maybe that was the same episode that we talked about other troubles of the Protestant world. Yeah, that was the same yeah, episode. Yeah, the same episode. Okay, so this is this is this is only the third time. All right. So our topic for today is we're going to be picking up talking about the Catholic abuse crisis because that is, you know, last time Paige was on, we talked about issues going on in the Protestant world, which uh, they've got their own abuse issues, as Paige has covered very well over at Knock Report, and. But of course, getting the press is the are, are the issues in the Catholic Church, and it's just that we get uh, some press for this. Uh, I've covered it a lot on this channel on my own, but since uh, the last time I really did anything on it, there has been a summit in Rome discussing the issue, and also I was not expecting this one, but Pope Emeritus Benedict decided to uh, drop a bombshell into the mix. You know, with uh, kind of weighing in his two cents about the about the cause and everything, so we're going to be discussing that. Um, and before we get started, we're going to do a little bit of a recap, get everybody up to speed on what's been going on. Uh, first, before I do that, Paige, do you have any idea what that? Um, I'm getting a lot of hissing in the background. It's my computer. It's the fan. Oh it's my just running. That fan. That's oh, and it's raining really hard. Ah, uh, okay. So we apologize for the background noise. It's going to be there. So <laughs> maybe I can uh, edit it. Maybe I can minimize it and post for an audio version. We'll see. Post, yeah, I do that. Sort of. Sometimes, maybe. <laughs> so anyway, uh, a, quick, a really quick recap of the Catholic abuse crisis up to now. For those who remember, and I'm Paige, you're old enough to remember this. Uh, back in the early 2000s, things started to break, where it just seemed like scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal was hitting the airline, was was hitting the, the headlines. Um, there were and there were there were studies that were done. Uh, there were massive meetings. There was a big uh, meeting in the uh, with the U.S. bishops and everything in Dallas. They came up with new procedures and policies to deal with this. Now, one of the things we learned from the studies was that almost all of this was happening, it had happened from the 60s to the 80s and dropped off sharply since. Now, since 2006 <laughs> with the Dallas meeting, uh, as far as we know, uh, cases are, uh, is, again, dropped off sharply after that. 
Uh, now, what caused this latest wave, the reason this is all in the headlines again, there was a grand jury report that got released from Pittsburgh. And that described in gruesome detail a lot of these abuse cases. And there were a number of priests that were implicated in this, numerous cases. And it was a, it was very clearly a network. These guys knew each other. They were covering for each other. Uh, and uh, there were even some of the, some bishops that were implicated in the cover-up. Uh, now, and there have been a host of other such things going on around the country. Now, as far as, for the most part, these are still fall into that 60s to 80s time period as far as when the abuse actually happened. It's just that we have more detail about it now that's out in the public. Of course, but still, the horrific nature of the details really boosted this in the uh, public consciousness. Now, also, there was a letter from uh, Bishop uh, Vigano. He used to be the nuncio, like the ambassador from the Vatican to Washington, D.C. And he made some big claims about think, people like Cardinal McCarrick uh, and a whole bunch of other people in the high, high, high hierarchy in the Catholic Church up to like the people who control what information gets to the Pope. And that is exactly the claim that he was making, that these guys were preventing information from getting to like Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict. He actually accuses Francis of knowing about some of the stuff, especially about Cardinal McCarrick. That is was interesting. That's the kind of that kind of set the stage for this latest blow-up. Cardinal McCarrick has since he's actually since been laicized. He's boom, you're out, pal. But it took a little while to get there. <laughs> Longer than I would have liked. Uh, especially since it turns out a lot of people knew about this. So that kind of catches this up. That's the short version of how we started and how we got to where we are now. Uh, now, Paige, you are, I'm sure you're aware that there was a big summit in Rome about that was supposed to deal with all of this. And mm -hmm. um, what, what, what do you know about that? And actually, and for the, um, uh, before we get there, full disclosure, I'm, ca I'm, I'm Catholic. I'm a, I'm a convert of 15 years now, uh, almost 16. No, wait. Yeah, 15, 15 years now. And uh, Paige is not, you are, you're Episcopalian, correct? Or am I off on yes, that? Yes. Okay, all right. Okay, so just so everybody knows where we stand, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm you, I'm, I, I, I'm a, definitely a diehard Catholic and it gives me no joy to be talking about this stuff at all. Hate it, but truth is truth. So Paige, um, so from your at, um, what what were your impressions of what went on with the summit in Rome, and yeah, yeah, I know your impressions, if you will. <laughs> um, I think a lot of disappointment, mm. honestly. For just off the top of my head, first thing that comes to mind is mm -hmm. that. And how do you say his name? Did you say Vigano? Uh, Vigano. I could, Vigano. I could be wrong. I could be wrong about the pronunciation. Okay, I thought it was Vigano. Yeah. He was not invited. <laughs> as far as I know, he's still in hiding. Right. Um, when he really um, brought a lot more to light. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to the Pennsylvania cases. Yes. yes. <clears throat> Additionally. Um, I, was, I, was, 
I'm sorry, Paige. For anyone who wants to know more about what he said, uh, you can either look it up online or uh, you can go back on this channel. And I, I went over all of that in detail, kind of as it was breaking. Uh, sorry, Paige. Uh, go ahead. Um, additionally, the summit was originally supposed to address both preventing um, child sex abuse as well as preventing the abuse and exploitation of adults, um, especially seminarians. They're mm -hmm. considered vulnerable adults in this instance. Mm -hmm. And when the summit rolled around, it only focused on the children and not on the adults in any way when unfortunately with, with the case of the Catholic Church, the, the adults and uh, seminarians issue is e of equal weight to the um, abuse of underage persons. So that right. was immediately a disappointment. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, from what I've heard of others' reactions, um, it you know, a lot of important people with lots of titles mm -hmm. joined together and, and spoke. You know, it's, it's the clericalism of loving to speak and not really doing much action. Yeah, unfortunately, and that's having uh, paid attention uh, to varying degrees over the years to what goes on uh, with Rome and what, what comes out of Rome on a typical basis. That's pretty much what I expected. Uh, there's still, I think there's this sense still within certain corners of the Catholic Church that the rest of the world cares what the, docu what the documents say. Now, I might care, but I guarantee you, the person sitting next to me in the pew probably doesn't even know they happened. <laughs> probably doesn't have the slightest, and I, this is broadly speaking, any issue that they decide to get together and address, almost nobody even knows it happens anymore. And the idea that just doing that is going to have some big impact, no, it's it's not. <laughs> and, and I've read a number of documents over time, and... A lot of them, it's a lot of words that you can pour whatever meaning you want into them. And unfortunately, that's been the, that there's a lot more going on there than just uh, lazy writing or incompetence in writing. There's reasons why uh, the, they are written the way they are, precisely so you can pour whatever Wait. meaning you want into them. But because uh, there are a lot of, uh, people that are in charge of running various aspects of the Catholic Church that, frankly, are not very good Catholics. Now, that aside, uh, as far as this particular issue itself, uh, they came out with an eight-point plan that um, that got summarized here on the Catholic, Catholic Register. I'm just going to quickly run through it. It's really quick. Now, this again, this is a, this is summarized out of Pope Francis's document. So. By, so by all means, it could there, there, there could be somewhat more to it, but we're just going to take a look at what the register summary is. Okay, point one, 
a change of mentality to focus on protecting children rather than protecting the institution. Point two, a recognition of the impeccable seriousness of these sins and crimes of consecrated persons. Uh, three, a genuine purification beginning with self-accusation. Four, a positive formation of candidates in the priesthood in the for the priesthood in the virtue of chastity. I actually, I actually like that one. Uh, strengthening uh, and reviewing of guidelines by Episcopal conferences, reaffirming the need for, and I don't know why this is in quotation marks, but rules. Uh, the accompaniment of those who have been abused with emphasis on listening. It's true that seminarians and clergy are not enslaved to an addiction to pornography. I would say not even using it at all, not just not enslaved to an addiction, but... Here I am quibbling. Uh, combat sexual tourism around the world, which what that has to do with this in particular, I don't know. Now, Paige, I read through this and I'm like, okay, this is more just stuff. A change of mentality. Really, we should, we really shouldn't, things you should things you shouldn't need to say. <laughs> it's protecting the children rather than the institution. And I would think most of us, at least here in the United States, learned that lesson back in the early 2000s. If we didn't know it already, we learned it then. And if you didn't learn it then, you're not going to. Impeccable seriousness. No kidding. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for uh, calling, calling, calling that to attention. Duh. Uh, Self-accusation. Again, we for crying out loud, with the church that has confession, we, we do this a lot. It's called Catholic guilt is a thing for a reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, the positive formation of candidates, yes, we should definitely be forming them in the importance of chastity, which is uh, not just the absence of sex. It's also like a full-on mentality, a way of looking at the relation between the sexes. Yes, that we really do need to focus on forming that better. Uh Strengthening guidelines, sure. Uh, obviously, that does need to happen. Uh, accompaniment. I hate words like that. I hate words like accompaniment. It's like, this is just high-minded, mealy-mouth nonsense that doesn't mean anything. It's like, if, you, if you're trying to say, you know what? Hey, we're going to help you deal with it. Just say that. <laughs> uh, you know, again, the pornography thing, really. Uh, I don't know. So that's what I see when I see this page. What I don't know. What what do you see? Do you see anything of one? And one, do you actually see anything new? Because I don't. I don't really see anything new there. No. I, all I, all I hear is essentially things that have been being said for yep. decades now. Yep. Yep. And um, I suppose. I mean, again, yes, just like you said, none of this should, we shouldn't have to say any of this. Right. It should right. be obvious. And so after a while, when you, when you hear, um, if you go back and look at some of the responses back last year to the Pennsylvania uh, grand jury report, and you hear mm -hmm. um, the bishop saying, well, we failed uh, to protect the little ones. No kidding. Yes, no kidding. But guess what? I mean, in a lot of these cases, you didn't just fail to protect them. Mm -hmm. You served them up. Yeah. So it, you just get tired of hearing these 
beautifully worded statements that are mm -hmm. hollow as hell. Yes. yes. I can <laughs> and, <agree> more. <laughs> mm -hmm. now, you but, know. But especially what disturbs me mm -hmm. is that say going back to Cardinal McCarrick, mm -hmm. who Viano exposed as I mean just I mean he's just a pervert. He's mm -hmm. just a filthy, filthy man mm -hmm. who engaged in horrendous acts with seminarians. Mm -hmm. Some of it was not consensual. I mean, it was just a power trip for him. Mm -hmm. It was abusive and it was predatory. Yes. Well, he appointed the, the, the Pope knew about that already. And, yeah, and, and, and let's be clear. We're talking about Pope Francis at the moment. That's correct. Pope yeah. Francis. Sorry. <clears throat> He already knew about this, but uh, jumping ahead, McCarrick's the one who recommended Cupid for. <laughs> yeah, I I hear the sigh. Yeah, I yeah. get. It. Uh, he's the one who recommended him for. Me either, and he's the one who recommended Cupid for this summit that just took place in February. But if you go back to August. When yeah. Vigano is exposing uh, McCarrick, Cupid mm -hmm. goes on the news and says, regarding all of this, all of this, because this is about cover of, a, of abuse of, of multiple institutions. You know, he was the head of a seminary in uh, different places and moved around. And Cupid's quote was, the Pope has a bigger agenda. He's got to get on with things of talking about the environment and protecting migrants and carrying on the work of the church. We're not going to get, uh, we're not going to go down a rabbit hole on this. Right. So abuse to him was a rabbit hole. It was a distraction from environmentalism. Yeah. It was a distraction from migration. Yeah. And then now he's at this summit as a leader. Yeah, it really gets to. It, it, it is. I I saw that statement from him on the, from him on the news. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. We're not a rabbit hole. This is a tangent. Are you bonkers? We need more solar panels. Are you freaking kidding me right now? Yeah. One, one priorities, pal. Two, that crap isn't even in your lane. <laughs> By mm -hmm. all means, opine, have your opinions. But it, I'm sorry, environmentalism and worrying about migration is not, in fact, the work of the church. Taking care of a migrant who comes to your door, that is the work of the church. Worrying about national policy on on that sort of thing, yeah, not so much, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like So essentially you have this, this, this show trial that this show summit with mm -hmm. people who really don't take any of this seriously and their eight point plan was right. just a reiteration of policies that have been around for 2000 years. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned that one of the more concrete aspects of this, uh, changing some legal procedures in the Vatican itself is, has to do with the expanded definition of vulnerable persons, which uh, kind of, on one hand, 
could be used to more severely prosecute certain things. On the other hand, it seems like it could wind up skewing the data or skewing perceptions of the abuse. Um, I would say the jury's probably still out on exactly how that's going to play out, but I think the definite oh, danger is there because I think you were in the, I think you were taking the, it's, you're winding up conflating two different things uh, position, which I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So now there is something to be said here. The Catholic Church usually doesn't work the way a lot of her detractors and staunch uh, supporters think it does, which is to say that the Pope issues uh, extremely granular decrees from on high and everyone falls immediately in line. Uh, that's not the way the church typically works. In all honesty, usually the way the church works is does issue some broad guidelines and then and the different dioceses or bishops' conferences, which I don't have a lot of use for the bishops' conferences. They actually have no place in the traditional structure of the church whatsoever. But beside the point, usually goes out to bishops' conferences and then it goes to like the individual dioceses and they kind of fill in the details as it at least ideally, they fill in the details, they apply the broad outlines as it best applies to them. You know, um, they're essentially the bishops and he, the, the bishops throughout the world and even individual priests within a diocese have a fair degree of autonomy, uh, much more than a lot of people think. And that can be good and bad. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You know, here we see uh, if the bishops are allowed to be too independent uh, they wind up not doing anything, which has often been the case on this and various other issues. You know, they wind up issuing their own decrees and everything that sometimes run contrary. They get used to doing things their own way. In any case, uh, here I would definitely like to see a stronger hand, saying, especially since, as we already mentioned, the big issue here is has was brought up by Archbishop Vigano and others now that the uh, the bishops, the archbishops, uh, the cardinals within the church are often the people that are running this cover-up. And there needs to be some sort of way to report, expose, and hold these people accountable. Problem mm-hmm. is, right now, without strong support for that from literally the very top from the Pope himself, I don't know how that's possible. Uh, you know, he did finally get around to laicizing uh, McCarrick, as we said, uh, but there's been issues with him as, um, well, Paige, you're, uh, you're aware, I'm sure, of some of the other issues, some of the other bishops and everything, especially in South America, that uh, Pope Francis might have been uh, looking the other way on. Oh, that's, mm, I know what you're talking about. Yes. And I, and I, and I don't have his name, but there are several. Um, yeah. That is at the, <clears throat> so basically for everyone who's listening, um, Pope Francis was over Argentina. Mm-hmm. And so there what there was a school in Argentina um, it, it, is, it also had a location in um, Verona, Italy. 
and there are these awful charges and accusations coming out and and it there there are more and more questions about what Pope Francis knew before he was Pope Francis when he was still in Argentina mm-hmm. and how much he looked away what did he do did he intervene did he assist in any cover up um, but the school is called um, Antonio Provolo Institute and it's it was a school for deaf children mm. A boarding school. Um, <clears throat> it was Benedict the Sixteenth who actually ordered an investigation into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been arrests made. The accusations coming um, from now adults who attended the school—it's pretty horrific. Uh, this was again a school for deaf children, so they were extremely vulnerable. It was a boarding school, so they were isolated there. And their their family sent them there to be educated, truly believing in the church and truly believing right. that they were putting their kids in um, safe hands. And oh, wow. instead, it was just a predatory playground. And in fact, the children were even prevented from using sign language. What? So they were isolated even further prevented per, the priest prevented oh them gosh. from communicating with one another that is crazy there were there was one instance where um i got a seven-year-old boy mm-hmm. was raped by and, and I, you, you can go online and search his name he was arrested uh he's in italy now he's 83 years old <clears throat> his mm-hmm. priest yeah. and he basically just bore down on this poor child's back so severely that it permanently damaged the child's spine and the child became addicted to painkillers but came forward before dying of an overdose in another instance a child was forced to wear a diaper for the day to hide the bleeding that occurred after abuse it's bad. Oh. This was occurring under um, Pope Francis's watch. Back when he was, yeah, back when he was Jorge Bergoglio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's pretty rough. Uh, and uh, there was, there's been allegations that he's kind of looked looked the other way on abuse. Uh, on abuse, abuse cover-ups in Peru and Honduras, which I believe uh, Vigano actually predicted that we can start, we can expect stuff to start breaking out of Hon- from Honduras anytime. <laughs> which I think there's, I think something's have started to trickle out of there. It's like, oh, okay. So basically, it's just going for a while. This is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, mm-hmm. Now, on the getting better aspect, uh, much to, I think, pretty much everyone's surprise, uh, Pope, Pope Emeritus Benedict, he decided to weigh in on this just to, uh, just this past Thursday, actually. He dropped a 6,000-word uh, essay on the issue on kind of what he, re- what he sees as the real causes of this. And, uh, Paige, did you? I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing myself, but have you had a chance to look at it? Or 
I have. I didn't have a chance to read the whole thing either. Okay. Um, but we've we both seen different articles. We've both seen articles on it. Mm -hmm, that's correct. And he basically addressed one of, a, which is kind of a parallel and intersecting issue going on with the church that was never discussed and was kind of hushed and kept mm -hmm. from discussion at the mm -hmm. summit. Yeah. So he basically came out and talked about it. Yeah. Um, and that was the presence of, um, I mean, it, it's a, it's a prevalence. It's, it's, they're everywhere. It's basically homosexual cliques is what he mm -hmm. called them. Yeah. Um, that have created organized, um, sometimes sex trafficking. Uh, and it has a lot to do with the seminaries. Mm -hmm. So if yep. you are a young seminarian and you go to seminary, you could actually be um, raped because these cliques are basically operating to cover each other. So it's not just about the issue of homosexuality, but, but it goes over into allowing, hey, we all have uh, you know this thing we're doing and we're not supposed to do it. We're supposed to be celibate mm -hmm. and we're all going to look the other way. We end up looking at the other way and other stuff too. Yep. yep. <clears throat> it really is. It's, there's, there, there's so many issues uh, at play here. Uh, but one is definitely, yeah, there was this all, this strange and where it came from is perhaps a matter, specifically where it came from perhaps is a matter of debate. But yes, there was this, uh, at the very least, implicit, if not outright, uh, acceptance of uh, homosexual activity by many members of the clergy, uh, especially mm -hmm. back, especially uh, really ramping up back in the 60s and stuff when like I said, a lot of this abuse started. And all of the data shows that we're dealing primarily with homosexual activity. Almost every, almost every case is a priest and a young man or a young boy. Almost every case. That's correct. There are there, there are there are there are women and, and there are young women and young girl cases that does that has happened, but they're the minority. Uh, mm -hmm. and all the heck, all the activity is either is either pedophilia or homosexual in nature. And most of the pedophilia is homosexual type pedophilia in nature. So he's absolutely right to call that out. Uh, and yeah, uh, Rome has really not been willing to go there. Not really, not, not since Benedict actually, back when, he, back when he was in charge, actually said, okay, if, and again, this seems like it should be obvious, but if you have homosexual tendencies, no priesthood for you. That's right. That's Which right. Is, it's very it's simple. Yeah, exactly. It's like that doesn't, it's like, even if, and there was an argument even amongst Orthodox Catholics, well, it's like if they're, if they had the tendency, but they're trying, but they understand the teaching of the church, they're trying to live a chaste life, you know, why can't they be a priest? It's like, well, it's kind of like, let's face it, you're kind of saying, if you're an, if you're an alcoholic, why don't you work in the bar? <laughs> you know, just don't put yourself in the situations where you might be tempted, especially since I, it's a fair bet that Benedict probably at least suspected what was going on in the seminaries by that point, even if he was getting stuff kept from him. The guy's not an idiot. <laughs> um, and uh, and it, um, 
anyway, uh, although I will say this, I actually know of one priest who did practice, who was a practicing homosexual back way back in the way back in the day, back in the sixties and seventies, and he's a fantastic priest now. Mm -hmm. he, he really is. Um, uh, I, I won't I won't bother saying saying his name now, but I might mention it to you off air page because you might know who he is even. <laughs> he's he's, suffi he's sufficiently famous that um, lot, lots of people would recognize his name. But any case, um, uh, well, there in yeah. in um, two thousand four, there yeah. was a report released. There's a John um, Jay report. That's right. Yeah. And it was looking at the uh, kind of um, profiling the victims yeah. from 1950 to 2002, and over 80% mm -hmm. were post pubescent males. Mm -hmm. So, um, and at the time, back at the sexual revolution, when all of this started, and sexual teachings in the church kind of became lax in the seminaries and mm -hmm. so forth. And, that, you know, it was just kind of people started playing. Yep. Yep. And not upholding their vows yep. of celibacy or morality in general. Or any, or anything. <laughs> um, I talked to um, uh, the, the godparents of my, um, the, the godparents of my second child, my, my oldest son. Uh, they're old enough that they remember a lot of this. And I was talking, I was talking to one of them and she, to, to the godmother and she was like, oh yeah. It was the wild, wild west. People were doing all kinds of crazy. People were like consecrating Oreo cookies and pizza, and she was not joking. And so it was. Uh, it wasn't just the the uh, moral practice. It was everything. Uh, in the in the wake of Vatican II, and it, this wasn't this wasn't Vatican II's fault. The doc, I, I read some of the documents of Vatican II. They're solid stuff, but the way it was presented, the way. Vatican II was presented and packaged to the world completely changed the way people perceived the church. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of and some of that even honestly goes back to, I think, unintentionally, some of the statements of Pope John the 23rd, the guy who started the council, uh, giving some of that impression. And a lot of people saw a big opportunity there to make change, to, to basically, honestly, I think to destroy the church. I think they saw there was an opportunity there. There was an oh, there was a window that they could come in and they could uh, significantly damage, if not utterly destroy the destroy the church. And I think people tried to do that. Uh, and mm -hmm. yes, the uh, the subsequent uh, complete dropping of many aspects of Catholic moral teaching uh, in in the wake of the council massive um and pope benedict going on to sit goes on to say and it it's it's not even just that it's we've lost our sense of who god is and what our relation proper relationship to him is because we don't even talk about it anymore uh not not enough at any rate uh it's all it's all you know like you said a while ago page uh quoting uh bishop uh Cupich, Cupich, however the crap you say his name uh crapich <laughs> anyway um <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. Might as well be. I, I, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it, it's like it's all become what what he said. It's the, it's social justice, environmentalistic 
nonsense and that's what's been driving entirely too much of the church's activity teaching homilies for quite some time now it's not like that everywhere in a lot of places it's starting to turn around but it has been that way for a while and this is part of the fruit of that because if you don't know who god is what our relationship is to him you will lose the moral teaching and if you lose the moral teaching eventually you will start to just do stuff and justify it to yourself and come up with a as you said a finely worded mealy mouth statement that seems to justify anything you want it to sorry right. kind of a bit of a rant there <laughs> I'm I'm on it with you. I'm on the train with you. <laughs> so, you know, now Benedict has been that that his statement has been criticized for also being short on practical solutions, which is true. It's also not his place right now. It's it's not his job. Um, as a Catholic, one of the last things I want to do is I want to I don't want to see competing papal authorities. We've been there, done that. Never goes well. <laughs> uh, for anyone who knows anything about history, and I know Paige does, uh, there have been a few times back in history where there were multiple people claiming to be the Pope. And now that it's not, it it does not go well. Usually, there's wars, <laughs> and um, yeah, big time. So, but he does get to the real heart of the issue, and the real heart of the issue is you gotta you've gotta return back to what back to our relationship with God. You need genuine, real repentance, not not self-accusation, not being aware of the impeccable seriousness. Uh, we don't need a change of mentality. We need to remember that we are sinners in need of God's mercy. And that's everyone. And right now, especially in context, uh, these bishops that have covered up for that sometimes are monsters themselves and have covered up for these monsters. That's right. And <clears throat> Benedict was actually very tough on sex abuse. He was, yes. Yes. At one point, he was defrocking at least three bishops a month. I mean, he kicked out hundreds and hundreds of people within just even a three-year period, I believe from 2009 to 2012. He was very tough, and, and he went specifically after um, the hierarchical players who mm -hmm. had been, uh, We a lot of times we say covering up, but really I think it's enabling. So that's yeah, who he that went after. Yeah. I think and, in some cases enabling is definitely fair. Mm -hmm. Well, when you cover it up, you're, you, you're enabling it to continue. Yeah, yeah, and, that's true. And, go ahead. No, I think I think that's true. I, I think there is, I think way back when it first started, when they were trying to figure out, when some of the, when they were trying to figure out what to do about it, like, like when the abuse actually started back in the 60s and everything. Um. They were kind of like, okay, what do we do about this? And shrinks were telling them, hey, we we can fix this. We, we'll work with these guys and we'll fix them and make it better. And then they'll be okay. And a lot of bishops bought that. But you know what? Okay. But fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And at some point, 
after the third time, you're not really fooled anymore, are you? <laughs> you know, right. so I, I think there are some who got kind of suckered into it, uh, you know, maybe once. But, you know, because, again, to be your average bishop, he's not a psychologist. He's not a psychiatrist. He doesn't know. Uh, so they say word of the expert. But then again, when, it's, when you have to have to go through the same process with uh, the same guy twice, no. And again, very quickly, it should have been clear that, you know, you know what? This isn't going to work. We, we can't rely on this to work for anybody. So fool me once. You're out, pal. Bye-bye. <laughs> I, I kind of see where they could... I can see where they might have gotten led astray a little bit. But they should very quickly have gotten themselves back on the right path. Much quicker than they, than they did. <laughs> anyway. Well... Tangent, but uh, yeah, it, it very quickly became a point where yes, you're not just covering up; you're enabling. I, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in my opinion, Pope Francis has been just as bad because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just since he's been become the Pope, because yeah. he has eased the sanctions placed on people like McCarrick. Yeah. Like Daniels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you oh, know, gosh, McCarrick yeah. was was basically his stature or excuse me, his status was was basically rehabilitated by Francis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and has what, 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 what were the what, um, oh, remind remind what were what were the sanctions that McCarrick was under first before, uh, before Francis kind of loosened his leash. You know, I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and look, but he was not supposed to be participating in um, anything public. Yeah, basically, he's essentially supposed to be on uh, private prayer retreat until the day he dies. And yeah, basically, John sent to the islands. <laughs> this is basically what he was supposed to do: mm-hmm. was be away and out of the spotlight and not doing any um, yeah duties or anything. You know, he was under. It's kind of like house arrest. Yeah, yeah. Which he was kind of ignoring that already anyway, even under Benedict. But under Francis, it really ramped up. Oh, he he just relaxed it. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Francis relaxed it, and even before he relaxed it. McCarrick felt a little bit more freedom of movement to go do whatever the heck he bloody well pleased, uh, even before Francis lifted uh, sanctions, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. And then, of Uh, course, he becomes a confidant, and (laughs) he's he's recommending uh, bishops to go go be in charge of things having to do with the abuse crisis. And as far as I know, Cupich is still kind of a Francis's uh, point man on this stuff, at least here in the United States. Yes. And McCarrick was, I believe, on the balcony when the Pope was announced that he got the job. I believe that's correct. Um, Now, what what would would you you say um, in your perfect world what, what what's something that you would do to address the issue? Huh? To, to to actually solve this. 
one way or the other. Um, <laughs> that's on the spot. a loaded question because I don't know if you want to know my answer. <laughs> okay, short, 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 short of getting rid of the Catholic Church altogether. Catholic you, Church, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, short of getting rid of the Catholic Church altogether, you Episcopalian, you. <laughs> Uh, the, take apart the hierarchical barriers. I mean, for, first of all, people need to be able to be fired. People <laughs> do right need to be able now, to be fired. You can't. I'm sorry. People do need to be able to be fired. I would agree with that. So, see, right now it has to go all the way to the Pope. Think about how big the church is. You expect mm -hmm. one guy to do no, that? No. no I mean, let's, just, let's be honest, though. Let's be honest. Well, no, you know, you, you go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. I, I don't. I, I, the, the point isn't to critique your thing. So you go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Say that again. I'm sorry. You you, you go ahead. I, I I won't interrupt. Um, I actually, also from what I understand, with the meeting in September, mm -hmm. really, no, it was November, um, of 2018 with the U.S. Catholic bishops, they um, had proposed mm -hmm. um, changing the, the way that people are dismissed mm -hmm. and changing the way that you can report bishops because currently the way the structure is, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> pardon me, they can't uh, really take actions against one another. Right. Um, so those right off the top of my head were great. Propositions. Unfortunately, the Vatican stepped in and removed them from consideration. Yes. Um, but those, I mean, right there. So, <laughs> the, the, Vatican, um, the Vatican basically said, "Don't do anything until after our big thing coming up, and just now, just this past February." Mm hmm. Honestly, if it were up to me, I would shut down the seminaries right now. I would fire most of the people in charge. <laughs> Okay. And just what? And just clean house. Okay. Well, hey, that's an op. That that's an option. And honestly, if uh, that that may not be that may not be a bad bad way to go. At least go after. At least you probably can figure out what the problem seven areas are pretty quickly. What I would do if I could if I could be uh, Pope Ginger for a day, uh, I think that that would be a good way to go. It's like okay, let's find out what seminaries. Are pro are problems and what aren't, and honestly, that should be pretty easy to figure out. Who's actually attract? Which ones are actually attracting seminarians? Who, what kind of priests are they putting out? You should be after a couple of months. You should be able to figure that one out, and then yeah, that's if, right. If you, if it's if it's a problem, you yeah, shut it down at least temporarily, mm -hmm. or. Uh, I also eliminate all of the people who are proposing relaxing moral standards in the church. They've yeah. got to go. Yes. I, uh, I, well, yeah, that's, the, that, that's an obvious one. I, I completely agree. And one of the things that has been clear here, almost almost every single uh, bishop, uh, every single bishop that has been named as part of this has been someone who's advocating for the relaxation of standards, screwing around with the liturgy, Doing all kinds of things like that. Uh, it basically, it basically, anyone who's advocating for watering down the church's teaching on anything, be careful. Uh, that that uh, right away, 
right away the morning antenna should should go up. Spidey sense should be tingling. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. and it, a lot of this comes out of though out of Rome, out of the Curia. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. I think also that would have to be just <laughs> literally. I'm sorry, people, but you just lost your job. Like we're just going to take everybody in <laughs> and let them go because this this is all a series of it's a good old boys network because it's just men covering up for their friends. And then a, a lot of these guys have escaped judicial uh, church, judicial justice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And in a lot of cases been promoted to higher positions because mm -hmm. their friends were important and mm -hmm. made that happen, made yeah. the, investigations go away made um is it the the, the rota oh yeah 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 i, th I know basically back back yeah. them off mm -hmm. see i would def i would definitely go and i'd be recruiting people like cardinal um yeah cardinal burke archbishop chapume and Car cardinal sarah I'd be going to these guys and be like, okay, you guys, you're in charge of fixing this mess. Give me, you know, you get, you get, you get autonomy. You get to, you get to pick your team and root this out. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, and, and that includes, that includes homosexual priests, mm -hmm. even if they are good priests. I would just, uh, I would disagree with that. Only insofar as if, if they're obviously not, if they're good priests, one, they're not practicing. If they've been practicing priests for, I don't know, pick, pick, let's just say 10 years, uh, and there haven't been any issues, I don't know. I, I, I'll be like, you, you stay where you're, you stay where you're at. Because again, there haven't been any issues. You're being an awesome preacher. Yeah. No, the, the, yeah. But, but I would definitely stick with the whole, if you got a homosexual tendency, you don't. You, doors closed, man. <laughs> no. Well, you know, only you, certain people, only yeah. certain people, should be in the position of oh, priest. I, oh, I agree. So it, the church itself has to reestablish that that's actually important, that standards are important, and that their behavior matters. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about people. About mercy. Yeah, I'm not talking it, about people who who are practicing. Of course, I'm talking about people who, yes, they've had the tendency in the past. Uh, they may even have practiced in the past before they were priests. I'm talking about that. If there hasn't been an issue for X number of years at all, and they certainly, again, I'm talking about a good priest, one who actually believes what the church teaches, preaches what the church teaches, lives what the church teaches. I'm talking about those guys. I'm not, you know, you stray from that. See ya. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And I have sympathy with that. And I What's do that? have, uh, I, I do sympathize with that view. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, when I look at other churches mm -hmm. that don't have the t specific uh, difficulties that the Catholic church has right now, mm -hmm. I understand that in that situation better. My mm -hmm. view is that mm -hmm. given the issues right now, right. if it were me, I would just say, no, it ha we mean, we have to start over. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and but uh, again, by and large, I agree. And my stance is largely based on the fact that I, I know this one particular priest, who is one of the best priests I've ever met. Uh, one of the best priests I've ever heard preach. Runs probably the lot the most vibrant par- parish in my diocese right now. <laughs> is the hardest core guy I'm, you know, around. Uh, so yeah, that's a guy I ain't kicking him out. <laughs> he's got to give me a reason to kick him out mm-hmm. and the, yeah yeah but we, but we also have yeah. to watch our own mm-hmm. tendencies oh, agreed. toward mm-hmm. um toward favoritism whether mm-hmm. it's theological favoritism oh, I agree. because I, you know I agree conservatives and liberals yeah or political favoritism because a lot of you see um mm-hmm. People think, you know, they, they hear the Catholic Church and they, they see it as kind of um, homogenous, but it, yeah. but it's not. There are divisions no. in the church and, and these um, these sects that kind of war with each other, mm-hmm. just like di- interdenominational issues. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> or the Baptists, you know, and, and right. uh, a different denomination. Right, right, um, right. So, uh, no, I, I completely see your yeah. These allyships are yeah. buddy buddy system, and you mm. and I are yeah. are equally susceptible to falling mm-hmm. into that. Oh no, no disagreement whatsoever. I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> As I would still have, as soon as there's an issue, I don't care if I, I don't, as soon as there's an actual issue, there's a door. You know that, but in the case of, you know, I've got to wait for an issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not like evidence of there was something in the past that you know you got you got let in the door because it was a people believe you were repentant it, like i said if you're repentant and it's been shown you're repentant again uh but again as far as anybody coming in with any sort of tendency i don't care how repentant they think they are no we're not taking the chance statistically speaking mm-hmm. it's not a chance we're taking pal i'm sorry <laughs> go you know i, I don't know go I don't know, do something else. Just be holy in your own life, <laughs> essentially. Um, but in any case, I think we are just about wrapped up here, Paige. And you know, actually, one thing, one thing I did want to get to because it came up on on Twitter. I, I think you saw it. Was uh, one of the things that always gets brought up with us. Why not allow priests to marry? That'll fix it. <laughs> oh, I know. Um... But that you know that ne- neglects the many people who have been celibate and faithful. Mm-hmm. You know this isn't nece- this isn't a they can't marry thing. So th- this is right. people have free will and they should control their impulses. And that's and, yeah. and sexual abuse isn't isn't necessarily first of all sexual gratification. A lot of it is about power, mm-hmm. and that's not going to go away with marriage. Look at the look at the Southern Baptist Church right now. That has not gone away with marriage. Right, right, which is the point that I usually make. Statistically speaking, a person is more likely to be abused by a family member in their own home than they are by a priest. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the the stats on the percentage of priests are still actually quite low. Uh, I believe I believe it depends a little bit on who you ask, but I believe lower than the general population statistics still. And, but so, some would say it's equal with the general population. 
whichever. Certainly no worse, actually, than the general population of statistics. Same percentage of priests abuses the same number of butchers who can marry. Same number of Protestant pastors who can marry. It's not a matter of that at all, actually. And but uh, for the sake of clear for the, for the sake of clarity, this is actually the one thing that's always on people's laundry list of things that the church would like to change. This is the one thing that actually could change at the drop of a hat. It is not actually doctrine that a priest has to be celibate. It is a matter of practice, not doctrine. The Pope could wake up tomorrow and say, "You know what? Mary priests. That's that's going to be a thing now." And okay, fine. I would just be like, "Well." That was sudden, but okay. <laughs> um, you know, because again, it's not it's not doctrine. It's just changing a very long held and a practice that has served the church well overall. Um, but yeah, it actually could change. It's just this is the wrong reason to change it. It you know, right. in all honesty, this is this doesn't right. that, that it well, solve this problem exactly because like you know, again, if you, as you've covered. Uh, the Protestant world has many of its own issues with this. Uh, the rest of the world has many of its own issues uh, with this sort of thing. That's not gonna. It's not gonna change a thing. Statistically speaking, it's not. It it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, meh, not not help not helping at all. Actually, actually, I mean, I see why on the surface it, you would think so, but scratch the surface a little bit and it. It winds up. It winds up essentially being irrelevant to the issue. If you want to say let priests marry, and, and another thing actually that I always like to bring up, it's not like the church is springing people on this as soon as they hand them their collar. <laughs> it's, it's not like okay, here's your collar, and by the way, you don't get to get married. What? <laughs> no yeah. It's not exactly it was a secret. Made. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You you kind of you kind of know that when you go into this into seminary in the first place. Like if I do this, I'm not going to be able to get married. Okay. That's right. <laughs> it's like, well, and that, that's something that always makes because it's always treated almost in a way like how can you dare force those priests to not marry? <laughs> they kind of made that call on their own. We're not like running around rope, you know. Roping kids out of the, you know, out of the altar server ranks, and be like, "You, you're gonna be a priest. No sex for you, ever." <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> and and think about how many people cheat on their spouses. Right. <laughs> that that hasn't helped fidelity. No, <laughs> Marriage actually no, has doesn't seem to have helped fidelity at all. No, no, <laughs> I mean, Which, it's just not the right solution to sexual no, abuse here. It's, no, it's no. not going to do anything. No. Uh, so to kind of wrap things up, I think at the end of the day, uh, what Benedict is saying is right. You got to get back to God, understanding our relationship with him. Everything starts there. Everything. Uh, in various parts of the Catholic world, and I think... Within the within the broader Christian world, I think there are many people that are beginning to understand this. Uh, my own parish is an example. It has been. It was when I first started attending there a fairly typical uh, 
for lack of a better terminology, left of center parish. And you could see it. You could see it in the people. You could see. You could hear it in the homilies. You could see it in the utter, in the limited iconography around the place. Uh, in the way mass was conducted, you could see it. It's changing. Uh, the priest who's there now, he realized there was a problem. Is going about fixing it, and he's fixing it by slowly taking the parish back what it is to actually be catholic and it's happening on all of those things it's happening in the uh icon in the iconography in the in the in the way the mass is conducted in the homilies everything is kind of is, is getting back to the roots of the church and that is exactly the right approach and once that is fixed everything else will be much much easier to fix because there won't be that acceptance that that acceptance of this guy can get away with such and such because he's higher it's like no 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 he may still have authority but that doesn't mean he's infallible uh which i don't don't misread that word <laughs> and uh this this guy may may have authority but that doesn't mean everything he does is perfect that doesn't mean i can't question him we can we should and that's right as we get that's back right. yeah and one of the more positive actually now mm -hmm. that we're touching on this one of the more positive things that i have actually heard um and i don't remember if it was with the summit or if it was uh less summer around the pennsylvania uh, grand mm -hmm. jury report but uh, the church did issue a reminder mm -hmm. that they were not supposed to be uh, better than the people. Mm -hmm. that, 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 that kind of uh, clericalism, I guess you could call it. Right. Uh, Nicolaitanism right. Um, hierarchy was uh, perverted. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was actually very positive, and and I was really actually very surprised to hear yeah. the church say it, um, mm -hmm. because that is a really huge problem here. Um, so it is important for people to remember that the root of the church is not in that hierarchy. Yep. And we are supposed to question people. We are supposed to. Um, be Bereans and check their words against scripture. We're supposed to use discernment mm -hmm. to judge their actions. We're not supposed to um, just follow along blindly no. because someone has the color. Oh, no. Absolutely, absolutely not. And, uh, well, gosh, uh, honestly, this, this, uh, this conversation could go on as so many different tangents, Paige. It really could. Uh, but I think... And this is not a problem that is singular to Rome, though. Yeah, no, uh, it is This is a problem is that has really... There's some, there some partisan mm. um, churches that are really suffering with this right now, too. This yeah. uh, this Nicolaitanism. Yeah, and I think there's... This, this hierarchy where it's abused. Mm -hmm. So it's important for people to remember that. Um, yeah, I think it's, and yeah, it takes on a different flavor 
in uh, in the Catholic world than it does in the Protestant world because of some of the differences and different uh, Protestant churches are gonna it's gonna take out a different flavor with them like it's gonna it's gonna work a little bit differently in your non denom church down the street than it is with the Southern Baptist Convention it, mm -hmm. than it is than it is with the with the Catholic Church uh, the abuse the actual abuse. Yeah, the, the abuse itself, it'll all operate a little bit differently. It'll be covered up a little bit differently because there's unique aspects to the way each of these different places are organized. Um, you know, for example, in in, in non-denom world, it's really easy for a uh, for a a, uh, a, a, a council, a, a church council, whatever they, whatever they may call it, the council of elders, whatever, whatever they call it, to say, you know what? They don't like you. Out, out you go. And he says, okay. You know, um, you know, takes a psalter in his hand and, you know, sulks on down the road. But it's also really easy for him to go to the Nandadam church two towns over and do the same thing all over again. That's right. You know, uh, the, you know, the, the, the hierarchy doesn't, like I said, different flavors. <laughs> There's weaknesses, there's different weaknesses in the different structures or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And the polity isn't all, you know, each of the Protestant churches has a different polity and a different structure. Exactly. So yeah. um, they're not all the same either. Uh, you know, the Episcopal Church has a, a hierarchy. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Very, very much so. You know, ending with the king of with the queen uh, of England, but <laughs> 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 you know that would be a fun. You know what, uh, Paige? In uh, two weeks after two weeks after Easter, um, we're going to have Faith Moore back on, and we're going to be talking about Henry the Eighth. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yes. So be sure, be, to, fun <laughs> be sure be sure to tune in for that episode because uh I will <laughs> me, me uh me, Crystal and Faith all have uh like a particular interest in that era uh, of English history. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, uh Faith, Faith knows a lot about the Tudors in general. Uh and she's a huge uh Catherine of, Ar of uh, Aragon fame. Hope I pronounced that right. And and um uh, I, of course, being a good Catholic boy, I'm a huge fan of St. Thomas More. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's gonna, yeah, this is gonna, it's gonna be a really good episode. So that's gonna be in three weeks. So, anyway, um, Paige, thanks a lot for thanks a lot for coming on and talking about this. Uh, it's, I really hope that some that sometime in the near future, this can be put to bed. But honestly, my hopes for that are relatively slim at the moment. So I'm sure we'll be having you on to discuss this again. But next time, next time we'll try to have you on to discuss something a little uh, less depressing. Sounds great. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, for those, uh, again, you can go back and you can watch my others. You can watch the series that I did on the abuse crisis. I, I need to organize that into a playlist. Maybe I'll, hopefully I'll do that soon-ish. Uh, but uh, there will be no show next week because Easter. And the week after that, we're going to have Eric Blake of Hard Boiled Films on the, on the show, and we're going to be discussing something a little bit lighter. We're going to be talking only a little bit lighter. It's the DCEU. <laughs> we're going to talk about the DCEU. So like I said, only a little lighter. <laughs> the ups and downs of that particular shared cinematic universe. 
And then after that, like I said, uh, Faith Moore will be back on and we'll be talking about Henry VIII. And uh, Eowyn, I saw your thing in the chat. I'm contemplating maybe we need to have somebody on to uh, discuss why on earth uh, we have a Pope in the first place. I think I'm going to work on that. I think that'll be interesting. So uh, with Very that being said, yes. Uh, so Paige, thanks again for uh, coming on. And uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in. And until two weeks from now, keep fighting the good fight.